Okay. Um, so maybe I'm a bit biased, but I think when a young man like Josh stands up this morning, like he did this morning, and gives his life to the Lord, then there's, there's something even more special about that. And Josh was nervous and anxious. Well, actually, by the time he got here, he was cool and calm. But he stood up, and he, he was ready to be counted. God called to Josh, and like Abraham, Josh responded. He was ready and he was willing. He said, yes, Lord, here I am. And I was just reflecting um, over the last few weeks. Wouldn't it be great if we all responded yes every time God asked something of us? Um, So that's what I want to talk about today, using the story of Abraham that Emma's just read to us. So God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham... Here I am, Lord, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So Abraham was in the habit of listening to God. um, And he heard him. He heard what he said. God was telling him something that he didn't really want to hear. um, But Abraham was so tuned in to God that he accepted what he heard, and he set straight off to do it. He didn't hum and haw and argue. Um, he had no doubt that that's what he should do. So that leads us straight into challenge number one. When God speaks to us, are we always listening? And do we listen, and do we respond with, here I am, Lord? Do we have good spiritual hearing? When life is so busy day to day, and in between the kids and the work and friends and TV and even church, is it possible for God to get a word in edgeways? Are we able to hear him? When life is crammed full, it can dull our senses towards God. And we all plan to have our quiet time later or pray when we're in bed at night. But I think we can all agree that falling asleep halfway through a prayer does not constitute quality time. And I'm not asking you this to make you feel guilty, but I'm asking you this because this is something I struggled with over Christmas when my usual routine was turned upside down. Um, Finding time, making time to listen and hear God was difficult. And I asked myself, if God had asked me to do something like that on the 20th of December, would I have responded with, yes, here I am, Lord? Or would I have said, well, I'm really a little bit busy at the moment, so if you could just put it on the bottom of the list and I might get to it at some point. But that's not the way it should work. Any deep two-way relationship needs to be worked at. In a marriage, each individual needs to make the time and take the effort to maintain that healthy relationship. And the same is true with God. We need to practice and exercise our senses so that he can communicate with us on a deeper level. And Abraham did this by praying and worshipping daily so that he could hear when God spoke to him. And we can't teach others about God if we're not able to hear him. Um, We need to be able to listen and hear God in order to successfully teach others. So when my daughter, Nicole, my littlest one, the one that had the nervous breakdown at the front there for some reason, uh, when she was born, uh, she was almost completely deaf. Um, until she had an operation on her ears, and and now she's fine. But the crazy thing is, it took us until she was about two and a half to notice that she was deaf. And this is because she copied the others, and she lip-read, and she was able to give an impression of hearing. But it's only as she got older and couldn't speak 
that we realised that she had a problem. Because if you can't hear well, you can't speak clearly. And the same is true spiritually. We can't pass on God's message to others if we can't hear what it is that he's saying to us. So there are many, many ways that God speaks to us. Uh, Through the Bible, often when we're praying or worshipping, he will give us a verse in our heads, and and this is one of the ways that he speaks to us. For my husband, uh, God speaks to him in much the same way as I speak to him, with a a gentle nagging voice. Um, (laughs) a, A thought that won't go away, an idea that just keeps on growing. Uh, With me, God speaks to me in dreams, so I find it really hard to sit still and be quiet when I'm awake, and God knows that about me, and he loves that about me, so he speaks to me when he knows I'm quiet, uh, when I'm asleep. But this is the thing about listening to God. He will speak to us in a way that you can hear and understand. He'll speak to you in the way that you hear and you understand. And that can be in a variety of ways. So when my husband Mark was planning his missionary trip to Haiti, it started because I woke up one day and I said, Mark, I had a dream and you went to Haiti and you worked for the Lord and your whole life was completely different because of it. And Mark went, fair play God, you've gone to the boss. I'll go to Haiti. And it turned out that he'd been nagging Mark gently for quite a while and Mark had been dismissing it for various good reasons like work and money and the, and the kids um, but God wouldn't let that go he kept on speaking to Mark in the various ways that Mark listened um, and that trip was booked within the week so early the next morning Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey so notice the prompt obedience there It doesn't say in any version that Abraham popped it on the end of his list with the intention of getting there one day. Abraham heard God and got on with obeying him. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Three days travelling, that's, that's a long way, and it's a lot of inconvenience. It would have been really inconvenient for, God, for Abraham, but he didn't try and use any excuses. And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when Abraham told Sarah what he was going to do. I mean, can you just imagine that conversation? It's, Hi, darling, I'm going for a boy's trip with Isaac, your son, your only son, who you've waited for ages for and who you love. And I imagine she'd have been quite pleased initially. You know, she can get some jobs done. And she'd have said, lovely, where are you going? Not really sure. Well, when will you be back? I don't really know. Well, what are you going to do with Isaac when you're there? So I'm thinking that's the real reason that Abraham left early, perhaps while Sarah was in the shower. (laughs) Abraham said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Sometimes, in order to move forward in our faith, we have to leave people behind. And those people may be holding us back in our walk with Jesus, or their presence may be preventing us from hearing the next thing that God says to us. This requires some hard decisions sometimes. We have to be honest with ourselves about who is holding us back and ask God for guidance for that. But often, as is the case here, we can come back for them at a later date. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife 
As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. So we'll notice that in all the time that it's taken to get to this point, God has not really spoken to Abraham since his initial instruction. And this is because, in a lot of ways, the way that God guides us is a bit like satellite navigation. So we've all had those. Um, We've had one for several years. And I must admit, it's greatly reduced the number of marital rows that we've had, our sat-nav in our car. It's gone are the days when I'm sat in the dark trying to read the map and trying to look out the window because I get car sick. And, and, And Mark's sitting next to me driving too fast, frankly, and going, well, if you meant left, don't point right. And no, we can't go that way because that blue line is a river. And nowadays, he can drive calmly and he can blame the machine for everything that goes wrong. That could be a tractor in front of us or those roadworks where they put out the cones and then don't ever do anything. (laughs) So SatNav tells us where to go. It directs us in the most efficient way to get somewhere. And if you go wrong, it will change the route and tell you the new, most direct way to get somewhere. And God is like Satnav. He tells us which way to turn. And if we're going the right way, he may not speak to us again until the next turning. But it's hard sometimes to, to keep your confidence during those periods of silence. So we have to look out for encouragements along the way. Just like on the road, on a long, straight road, we'll glance at the map for reinsurance that we're still going in the right direction. I mean, we've, we've all heard the strange story of the person that followed Satnav and drove off a cliff. Um, so we don't do that. We, we think back to previous journeys to check we're going the right way and, to check, and we look ahead at where we're going. And we do this with God through praying, reading the Bible, um, and also by increasing our involvement with God, with missional communities, small groups, and church life, so that we can experience God's work all around us. And if we do this, then we keep our senses alert so we don't miss it when he does speak. So Josh heard God tell him to be baptised last summer, and he started instantly to move towards that destination. That was his destination. And once the date was set, he didn't just sit back and relax um, until he'd reached his destination. He carried on listening for direction. So he comes to emerge an eternity uh, to remain tuned into God's voice. He has regular meetings with Aidy, who mentors him. And this has resulted in Josh spending the Christmas period saying the sort of things that we all long for our teenagers to say. So he said to me, how can I get involved with the night shelter? Of course I'd like to serve food at the impact prom. I've been praying a lot about my person of peace lately. I mean, these are brilliant things that he's been saying, listening to God, keeping on track to his destination. So God tells Abraham to go to the place I will show you. In other words, set out on the journey and then I will tell you where to go. So, of course, we need to have the faith and the trust in God in order to do the first bit of the journey and then thus progress to the second bit. 
God has placed us all on a journey, and he's directing us where he wants us to be. I'm on that journey, and I'm excited about where he's taking me, and I'm following the sat-nav as best I can, trying to hear the directions over the general noise of life. And I'm fairly confident I haven't taken the most direct route. When I left school at 18, do you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to work with teenagers. But I didn't have the confidence. I wasn't cool enough or clever enough. So I went off into the world and I trained as a nurse and I did other things and I found Mark who showed me God and what it meant to be his daughter. And now a mere three, maybe four years later, um, here I am. And it may have been a bit of a detour, but I'm back on that road now for sure. And the clever thing about God is that he takes all those things we experience when we're both on and off route And he uses them to change us and to develop us for his glory. And it's not just Abraham's obedience that's being tested here, uh, but Isaac's too. Isaac is not a young child at this point, and Abraham is an old man. He wouldn't have been able to physically force Isaac up onto the altar. So Isaac must have climbed there out of respect for his dad and for his father we are forced to conclude that Isaac's faith was as strong as Abraham's. By listening to God and by obeying him, we have the added bonus of raising faithful, obedient kids. So here we are. Isaac is on the altar. Abraham Abraham has raised his knife. And suddenly, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on your boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So God has changed his instructions. Abraham was listening and he heard the new instructions. Phew. This is another really important point. We mustn't just walk in what God used to say. Uh, Religious practices and traditions are important, but we need to stay alert for new direction. If we don't, we could get things very, very wrong. And it may be comfortable to keep doing what we've always done, but it, but it isn't enough. God has new instructions for us in each season of our lives. Um, and we could kill our sons if we haven't listened to the next direction. We must do as God is telling us to do now, not what he told us to do in the past. We need to change and move forward and step out in faith, just as Josh has done today. Abraham looked up, and there, in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God provided the ram at the moment Abraham needed it. He provides for us at the time we need it. If we go to the place God wants us to go to, he will give us the blessings we need when we get there. Another way that we can hear God speak is by a series of different circumstances all coming together. And do you ever look back and just think, oh, look, look how God was in that all the time, and we didn't even realize. But if we stay tuned in to this, and we thank God and take the time to notice when things come together for us, then we'll realise how often he does bless us in this way and it will be easier for us to trust him. He will do that in every situation. 
So the ram was caught in the thicket, waiting for when Abraham needed it. And our blessings are waiting for us when we get to the place where we need them. The ram was caught. He wasn't getting away. He wasn't going anywhere. And nor are our blessings, whatever they may be. So they may be our courage, our strength, our children. Whatever he has marked out to be ours, he will save them for us until he gets to the place where he wants us to have them. And even if we get lost along the way, he will give us what we need. And if we put all our trust in him, he won't let us down. The Lord will provide. And if we can remember that, it makes it so much easier to hear God. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we think we need that we forget we already have what we need in God. And when we're caught in a cycle of trying to manage alone, we forget to worship and thank God. And we may even stop listening to him. And this is the danger, because we'll miss his next direction, and then we'll be off route again. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, the message version, tells us, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Ultimately, God provided a sacrifice for all of us in Jesus, Lamb of God. Like Abraham, he was prepared to sacrifice his only son, whom he loved. The difference, of course, is that Abraham was prepared to do it obediently, and God did it willingly for the love of us. So in the past, I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with this passage. I've always followed it with a plea for protection from my own children and the ones here at church. But I've come to understand when I look at this passage that Isaac was never in danger from God's point of view. Child sacrifice was never on the agenda here. Abraham's relationship with God was one of trust and faith. Abraham, a man unable to have children, had already been blessed with Isaac at a very late age. He knew that miracles happened. Isaac was one. Hebrews 11 tells us, By faith Abraham when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. In other words, God had already promised future generations through Isaac. Abraham believed that God would not allow Isaac's life to be over because that promise had not yet been fulfilled. Faith is not just about guessing what God would want us to do. Faith is about understanding the very nature of who God is. God kept all his promises to Abraham And Abraham understood that God always did what was for the best. And therefore, he was in a position to be really bold with his faith. And the more we listen to God, the more we read and understand and talk to God, the more we can be bold in our faith. Isaac's destination in the Satnav was to provide future generations. God had promised that. Abraham understood that being sacrificed by his father was a pretty good diversion for Isaac but he trusted God to reroute him so that the future would not change. And remember, Isaac's faith must have been pretty strong too because he went willingly to that altar. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, 
I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. When we follow God, it has a positive impact on everyone we love, even those not yet born. God promised that Abraham's children and his children's children, and even beyond that, will benefit because Abraham chose to obey God. Abraham didn't take the easy option. He didn't delay, and he didn't allow himself to be put off because of what others thought of him. He continued his journey with God, even though this was a fairly challenging leg of the journey. He kept his faith, and he kept listening to God, who, as is his way, showed mercy. And Abraham had faith in God to know what was the best for him. And the consequences of his actions would have been pretty awful if God had not come through. But of course God did. So there are several challenges that we can take from this passage. Um, And I'm going to list them now. There are five challenges. So wake up if you've drifted off. We're coming into land now. So number one, are we listening to God? Are we really, really listening? Not just staring at me and hoping I'll stop soon. But are we really listening? So once I realised that God spoke to me in dreams, I made it my practice to keep a notebook by the bed and write down everything that I dreamt. And often I have to pray about it in the days that follow in order to make sure I've understood what God is saying. But by doing this, I show my willingness to listen to God, and that's really increased the amount that he talks to me. Number two, when we hear something from God, do we get straight to it? Will we wake up tomorrow morning and act? When we let God be in control of things, we find that we can act much more easily. Number three, are we listening for the next direction? Or are we just repeating what we've always done? What's perfect for us five years ago is not necessarily right for us now. Don't just blindly follow traditions, but pray and listen for the next direction. So... Ever since my children were born, and my oldest is eight and a half now, I've been putting them to bed at 6.30 every evening, on the dot, 6.30. Until recently, Izzy said, Mummy, do you know I'm nearly nine? (laughs) She's been nearly nine since the day she turned eight, but do you know I'm nearly nine, and not many people go to bed at half past six anymore? And I thought, fair point. But this is a blow. I liked my evenings. I got a lot done between half six and half ten. Um, But we changed our routine, and it's been great, because ironically, one of the things I moan most about is that I don't get to spend enough time with my children. So it blessed me more than I could ever realise. So we have to stop repeating what we've always done, even if it seems right, and listen and ask for the next direction. Number four, are we wasting time and energy worrying about what we haven't got, instead of glorifying God for all that we have got? And number five, are we prepared to step out of our comfort zones in order to further our relationship with God? So over the next few days, I challenge everyone to take the time to ask God where he's directing them. Ask him to be clear and direct. Ask him to confirm anything you feel he may have asked you to do and then step out 
Take the first step and then he'll give you the next direction. He'll direct you when you are ready and when you can cope with what he is asking you to do. So let's get ready. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love us and guide us all. Thank you that your word is solid and we can trust you. We love that you challenge us, Lord, and we're ready to hear your next direction and to act upon it. We want to obey you, Lord. We trust in you and we want to follow your directions. We trust you, Father, to guide us safely home to you. Amen.